You are listening to the Technically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Wheeler, and I'm here to bring you a series of stories, challenges, and triumphs of some of the most innovative minds in technology. Every episode, we dive into experiences of BIPOC designers, entrepreneurs, and technologists. We explore their unique journeys, uncover the why behind their decisions, and gain perspective and insights into the world of technology. Join us as we navigate through topics ranging from design and engineering in the technology industry to create empowerment and cultural expression. Whether you're a professional in the field or just passionate about technology, this is your platform for growth, learning, and connection. After all, seeing is believing. Before we get started, I wanted to plug our Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month, you can help support the production. Your contribution not only helps us to keep delivering content, but it also brings you closer to the action. You'll get access to special episodes, behind the scenes content, and unique merchandise offers that aren't available anywhere else. So how do you join? Simple, just head over to patreon.com slash technically speaking HW. Your support means the world to us and helps keeps the conversation going. Check out our Patreon today and find the tier that fits best for you. Now, let's get into the show. Today, we're hosting Fonz Morris, who has charted an incredible journey from working through nights in Atlanta while studying, surviving an unfortunate series of setbacks, to leading game-changing initiatives on the growth team at Netflix. Listen in as Fonz candidly discusses experience that range from his role in the paradigm-shifting password sharing initiative at Netflix and his endeavors in the VC space to empower others by sharing his wealth of knowledge. He also touches upon his passion project of writing a memoir and gives us a glimpse into his intriguing life story. Prepare yourselves for an engaging conversations, insights, inspiration, and his unbeatable energy. I'm one of those type of people who have the personality of, you can't tell me I can't do something. Only I can tell myself I can't do that. So whether it's going to getting a job at a elusive company like Netflix, whether it's studying at an amazing opportunity like a school like Stanford or Oxford or whatever, I'm the one person, I'm the outlier always. And I think the VC space is very, very hard to get into. I looked at it as an exciting challenge. I also know that if you really want to figure out how to make generational wealth, it's going to come from some kind of investment or either starting a business or inheriting. Let's get into it. I have the pleasure of hosting Hans Morris on the show. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Very proud and honored to be here today. I was looking through uh, I was actually looking through emails. I feel like we reached out to you probably like a year ago. And it's always interesting like to see how growth over a over year. Time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a year is man in tech, a year is three years almost. And I do still, when I got the reach out from your team and I looked you up, you felt familiar. Everything felt familiar as opposed to it feeling really random. I really do mm-hmm. think y'all reached out to me and I don't know if we did link up or we were supposed to or what. 
I think it was one of those we were supposed to. And like you said, so much can happen within a year, but it's all good. All that matters is that we're here right now. You're like a friend of the show because I know like you were in in the Philippines and you met Jay Mm -hmm. and Jay was on the show a couple seasons ago and he's a good friend of mine. Jay, Jay Clark, that's right. That's the new connect. When I was in the Philippines, I met Jay and he was like, man, I got to connect you with my bro Harrison. He's doing big things over there on LinkedIn. Yes, that's it. The (laughs) homie, yo, Jay is one in a million. When I tell you, I like that guy. Style, vibe, passion, energy. Oh, man, I'm so glad that I got to share the stage with him. Yeah, I think... I'm always watching. And so I feel like specifically there's some interesting kind of parallels between you two, because I feel like this year y'all have both just really stepped into who you are and in, in terms of communicating like your ideals and change in your perspectives across the industry. It's just one of those things I feel like it made so much sense for y'all to connect and vibe like that. So happy to see that. It was a great thought. Jay had me cracking yeah. up, man. He had me cracking yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. One of these days we'll all have to get together when, when we're back in the Bay, but also happy belated birthday. I know it was yeah, a, thank a couple you. weeks thank ago. You. Shout out to all um, my Scorpios. Shout out to all my Scorpios. Thank all you. All the Scorpios. Yeah, Very yeah. polite. Very thoughtful to give me a birthday shout out. I appreciate that. Hey, look, we look, it's home. You know what I'm saying? I see. Like, this is a very, football. I like this vibe. The vibe I'm getting from here is very chill. Sometimes you never know what the podcast is like. Is it going to be straight up? <laughs> Do they want to jump straight into technicals? Is it going to be weird or have technical issues? But so far right now, and I'm live in the airport as well. It don't stop. It don't stop. Look, these things can happen anywhere at any time. One of the things here that that you do, at least for the day-to-day, you are a growth design lead at Netflix. And so Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask, these are going to be some quick fire questions here. So number one, what is growth design? Because people have many different perspectives around it. Specifically, how do you approach that? And is there something that you're proud of? Oh, yeah, for sure. So I like to say growth design is the intersection in between business and design. So I spend a lot of my time focusing on the design and the UX side of things. But I also spend a lot of time focusing on the impact that these decisions that we're deciding for design will have on the business or vice versa. I'm thinking about current things that the business is trying to do and figuring out how do you actually execute on those. So that can span across a bunch of different things, which is why I've loved being a part of the Netflix family is I've got to work on so much stuff and I've just grown so much over the last couple of years because it's a really big platform. We have TV, we have web, we have iOS, we have Android. So trying to figure out how do we grow on all these platforms. The things that my team and I focus on are sometimes it's an acquisition thing, like making the sign-up process a lot easier for you to get back into the platform. Or if you are signing up, getting you through as quickly as possible because we know you want to start watching. Or something like making sure that when you get to that final part of putting in your credit card number, it's as easy as possible so that we can actually convert you to becoming a paid subscriber. And then other things like now, I'm actually focused on a retention-focused project that is, how do I make sure that we continuously bring value 
to our customers so that you don't churn, so you don't leave, so you still pay us every month. And not only do you pay us, you find value in paying us and you want to pay us. So right. my team focuses on all those different type of ways of we're, we're in 190 countries. We have about 250 million subscribers. So how do we get to 300 million? How do we get to 500 million? How do we even dream ridiculously big and say one day we want to get to a billion users? So that's yeah. what it's about. It's about working with the business side and design to grow the business. Yeah. And a, and, I, and a project. Oh, I got so many projects, but please go ahead. We can go to that. But I think like my general comment and reaction to that is, I think it's like fascinating that Netflix is what, almost about a 20 year old company. We're a little mature, older, about a little yeah, older. like 27. Okay. Oh, wow. Almost 30 years, probably older than some of our listeners, which is also crazy to think about. <laughs> But I think it's fascinating just that there's that much maturity and you're still thinking about growth and having very ambitious goals. We have to, because that's the way you stay ahead of the game. Like you have to stay ahead of the curve. You never want to be in the blockbuster situation where right. you thought you had a grip on the industry and you didn't see around the corner for this major pitfall coming, or yeah. you're not being innovative to make sure that you can avoid that pitfall no matter what. And I think that's the part about Netflix that's amazing is we still are trying to find ways to be one of the most innovative tech companies on the planet. And you think of yeah. something like a project that you said that I'm proud of working on. Most people are, it's funny, this is such a great conversation starter. I was one of the leads on the password sharing mm -hmm. initiative. And it's funny because so many people know about that project and it's so yeah. amazing to have worked on something that has, that touches that many people so personally, globally, whenever I'm traveling all over the world, whether I'm in Cali yeah. or New York, or I'm in Istanbul or Japan, everybody knows about this password sharing. So to be able to have worked on a project that touched the globe like that, and then yeah. for it to be successful and to have the kind of impact mm. on the company that it did. It just, even if I was suffering from imposter syndrome, I think this would be the pinnacle moment that I would stop. I'm not suffering yeah. from it, but to be as transparent with the listeners, if I was, I feel like I did so much work on this project and it was successful that I've proven to myself from here on out, I am a world-class, fantastic designer. I know what I'm doing. I'm a leader. I work on big projects. I can get the job done. Well, I mean, just to dive into that, were you, was there a little bit of like self-doubt before that project that you didn't think that you were these no. things or what? No, okay. no, no, no. It's just more yeah. of a lot of people ask or a lot of the emerging creatives or even mid-stage career and even senior career people sometimes, they struggle with imposter syndrome. Mm. And I'm saying that if I, and I think they're doing the work that they shouldn't suffer from it. So I'm yeah. really just trying to give them the example of, yeah, if you're doing your thing and you're showing up and you're being the best designer or product person that you can be and you're launching things or you're doing the research, it's man, that's enough. Mm. And yeah. maybe you'll have a project as big as password sharing, or maybe you won't. It's just more of feeling proud and, and confident. Yeah. And my career is important because I feel like that's what gives me the foundation to keep going. 
I love that. Really like those, this is like your foundational principles, right? And, and a part of it is just trusting the process. I imagine though, with that, as a designer, you're looking at the headlines, you see all the comments, right? Everyone has a very strong opinion about this. And so I can't imagine like stakes feel high in that regard, right? Because Super one of those things stake. that if it doesn't hit the mark, there's going to be that sort of, I, I don't want to call it a backlash, but maybe it is. But is, is, is that something that you felt when you were working on it? Was it, was there yeah. that type of pressure? High stakes. I've never worked on a project more high stakes than that. We even had Reed Hastings, the co-founder, was sitting in our oh, wow. user research calls. We were working closely with all the executives of the company. So mm. that's what I mean. It was a big time project. And I think, like, if you want to compare it to sports, it was like, this is the championship game. Mm. And yeah. I wasn't afraid to take my shot. I was diving on the floor, getting rebounds. I was high-fiving people on the uh, like on the bench. I was in the game. I was at the free throw line. I was doing my thing because I knew that the team needed it. And we knew that if we could get this done, we would actually change the face of streaming. And we did. Mm -hmm. And now you see a lot of other streaming platforms immediately initiating password sharing yeah. because they wanted right. to wait for us to do it, see how we would fare, learn from us, and then try to do their thing. So proud wow. moment, man. Big project, wow. high stakes, a lot on the line. And the company yeah. was counting on us to get it done. And we did. Wow. Wow. That's also industry impact when you start thinking about these other impact, people man. starting to do that, right? It's critical. I think you were definitely the person cut out for the job. And the reason Thank I'm you. saying that is that I've done my research. You have a really fascinating background. And so are you working on a memoir right now? Like I, I'd love to. Yes. Thank okay, you for bringing so that up. Yeah, yeah I like the vibe us. of this show. I just want to let you know, I've been on a lot of podcasts. I like the vibe of this show. Yes, I am. I am writing a memoir. I'm actually finished. I oh, wow. Okay. am now adding the last touches. I sent it out to my wife, out to my sister, out to some really yeah. close friends for them to read yeah. it and see if there was any parts that they wanted to clean up. I got some small edits back. I've actually been working on this for about two years. So yeah. that's the thing that I want everybody listening on the call to understand is it takes time to get stuff done. Be patient with yourself. You right. said, trust the process. Whatever cliche term you want to use, but if you believe in something, you can get it done. I remember yeah. years ago, people saying, hey, Fonz, your story is so interesting. You should write a book or, hey, Fonz, you're so good at communicating. You should be a public speaker. And this was years ago. And I actually took the time to see myself where I am now and believe that I can get here. You know what I'm saying? So two yeah. years ago, I finally got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this big step. Like I'm a risk taker. Mm. Now I'm not foolish, but I'm a risk taker and right. I will invest in myself. I'll spend money on myself. I'll spend time on myself. And yeah. that's what I did to get this book done. And I learned a lot mm. from the book writing process of it's not easy to write a book. You do not just sit in front of your laptop and open up Google docs and start typing. If you think right. that's how you write a book, go for it. Send it to me when you're done. I promise you I have a lot of edits to make <laughs> because the way you speak and the way you type and read are different. Mm -hmm. So you want to work with a professional that understands how to put a book together and get the person from the first page to the last page. And I prefer mm -hmm. to work with professionals. So I was able to yeah. work with somebody to help me get my thoughts together. 
hours and hours of interviews. And it's now to the point where I'm excited to share it because I think the audience would, I try to lay it out in a way where there's something for everybody in the story so that you can relate to that. And then hopefully it inspires you or gives you some kind of motivation to keep going or something like that. Yep. It's called self-design. I am currently searching for a publisher. So yeah. it takes a long time to get it out. I'll probably yeah. have physical copies sometime in 2024. Of course, I'll send you and the team like an autographed one and stuff like that, man. Looking but yeah, like I'm proud it. of it. Proud yeah, of it. yeah. 200 pages. Look, 200 pages. Look, we're being very cryptic right now about saying that Fonz has like an interesting story, but I'm just going to capture a few things that I at least noted from his general synopsis. Born in Brooklyn, moved to Atlanta for school. Morehouse, with Georgia State. Morehouse, Georgia State, was basically working like crazy at the strip club. The reason I'm saying this on here is because it's on your website, so don't get mm -hmm. at me. Um, no, like I was cleaning the bar. Yeah. Was, yeah. I was sweeping the floor. I was carrying ice. I was stocking yeah. the shelves. Yeah. After class. Uh, after class from eight till four in the morning and then going to computer science classes at 10. That's this is wild. On top of that, surviving two house fires. Yep. Your mom passed at an early age. So much going on. And we're here today on Technically Speaking, but at the same time, you moved out to the Bay Area and you're at one of the most influential, innovative companies in the world and you're making impact in Proud. so many different ways. I think that's something for you, obviously, to reflect on. And I'm sure you're writing this book. I know you've reflected on it. My dad actually just went through, he actually just released a memoir last year. He did? Uh-huh. And he's, he's in his mid-70s. And so it's just, it was like a very therapeutic and cathartic experience yeah, for him. I can believe so it. I'm I can sure. believe it. Just like going yeah. through it. I mean, there's a couple parts of the story where I remember when I was talking to my co-writer about it, that I definitely got choked up because you're talking about mm. some spots that might be like a little sensitive to you or like a little sore, or maybe mm. you don't really talk about them that much. And when you finally do decide to talk about them, them emotions come out. Mm. So I do think writing a book, there's a form of therapeuticness yeah. to it. And I also yeah. would want to say that to anybody listening, uh, you don't have to write a 200 page book. You don't have to write a thousand page book. You can write a five page book. Just, just do it. Just write it. Just get it done. And you'll learn so much in the process that maybe you'll just, you want to keep it at five pages or maybe you'll decide you want to grow to 20 or 200 pages. I think it's more, right. I just want the audience to just know, do it. Like you'll yeah. learn so much from just doing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which also is very parallel across any sort of creative endeavor is just putting it into practice and getting it out there. It doesn't have to be perfect. Iterate, iterate, yeah. learn, iterate. test. It's just, it's literally what we do at work, which is we iterate on ideas, we test them, we do user research. I tell everybody, if you yeah. treated yourself and you put as much time into yourself as you do the projects that you do at work, you'd be in a whole different place. Like you spend hours and hours on other people's projects and other people's right. problems. And you do not see people putting that same amount of time and investment into themselves. Mm. Yeah. 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 I, I, I love that piece. And, and I think I would also even say I'm imagining 
you've been doing a lot of speaking this year. I'm assuming that's also added when, in, in terms of strengthening your voice and getting more conviction around your story and obviously the things that you care about. And so I think you, you spoke in the Philippines earlier this year, and I think you just got back from Turkey. Turkey, and I got to speak in Scotland, and I got wow. to speak in um, Japan earlier this year and wow. do a workshop on inclusive design and yeah. got to speak at Afrotech and just yeah. a lot of amazing opportunities. I'm like, I'm just going to always say I'm proud and honored, but I'm also going to say I worked hard. Like I knew when I yeah. relocated from the East coast to the West coast, I had a vision and I right. didn't know exactly what I needed to do, but I had some type of idea and I came up with a plan. I was flexible with my plan ebbs and flows, but like, I still yeah. had that North star. And then before you, you know it, these things start to come together and they start to grow and work for you. And now I look back of when I left Philly in 2018 till now, and it's like, goodness, I'm so yeah. excited about what I've done, but the future feels even brighter. Yeah. I think one of the reflections that you had was around not getting hired at Google and mm -hmm. having an opportunity to speak pretty recently at mm -hmm. their equity and inclusion. So Quiet. I know that. And I know like equity inclusion is something that you're very passionate about. I know you've delivered a few talks on it. So mm -hmm. I'd love for you to maybe take us through maybe how that felt like a culmination of these different things. And I think the, the part to me that stands out is like maybe things don't necessarily pan out the way that you imagine them to, but in, in, in many ways, there are things that remind you because I can still, exactly. I, I think with some listeners, they probably heard the story before, but. I remember when I was in Iowa City, so I lived in Iowa City about three years after I graduated, and I was doing like web design for the university. And at that time, like things were moving into front-end web development. I had an interview with Google, yeah. and it, it was something, like, it was a moment that I was like, wow, I can really get out of the Midwest and work for a company like Google. But at the same time, I knew that wasn't necessarily the path that I wanted to go down in Several years later, I actually ended up moving out to, to San Jose and we yeah. were in Palo Alto for a happy hour at the startup and the recruiter was sitting across from me. And to me, that was like, I was like, I'm in the right place. Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> saying, man. Yes. Yes, brother. That's the type of stories I want people to hear mm. because I was just at a recruiting event last night for designers yeah. that we did through Netflix. And that's what I was mm. telling everybody. You need to be out here yeah. networking in these, right. like you need to be in these design streets. You need to be in these design communities, listening to podcasts like this. People need to know your name, get out there, mm. be a part of the community. You'll, you never know who's sitting right next to you. You never know who will right. be in an elevator, who you may see at the airport, but you do know that if you just stay in the house, you're going to probably bump into yourself. And that's it. <laughs> you need to get outside. Look at yourself in the mirror and be like, not much changed since yesterday, right? Yeah, man, dude, you <laughs> got to get outside so that you can see the world and enjoy all of the things that working in the product and tech and design community allow you to get access to. I feel yeah. extremely fortunate for some of the things that I've done. But once again, I worked hard, man. Like I'm a, right. now I'm not a super ridiculous overachiever, but I work hard because I think the payoffs is worth it. Mm. And I think time is one of our most precious commodities. And yeah. I don't waste my time or I yeah. try my best not to. Yeah. I'd love to go back to the original question I had. So what was it like to be at the Google summit? 
It was fantastic, man. I think it was yeah. completely full circle. I think one of the beginning moments was so amazing was when they first reached out to me, it was covert. Yeah. So I didn't know who they were. Just mm. this organization reached out and was like, hey, we've been following you. Are you interested in being a part of this DEI event? But we can't really tell you too much information about it, but mm. X, Y, Z. And I was like, sure, because I'm still building my brand. I'm still trying to get myself out there. And I was actually about to go to the Philippines when they reached out. So I was working with my EA to try to schedule some times to talk to them. And I ended up landing, coming back from somewhere and jumping on the phone. And they finally was like, oh, okay, so this is for the Google DEI conference that they're having. And just mm. in my head, I just started smiling because mm. it was more of when I didn't get the, like, I don't like to say rejection. When I didn't get the job from Google, like, I was pretty bummed out, but it was my first shot working in tech and like any human, I put all my eggs in that basket and mm. I wasn't ready for the no that I got and it made me for a second say, am I really good enough to be at one of those companies? Like, right. why did they say no? I put so much time into the presentation. I thought I did great. Like, how could they, like, what are they looking for if what I did wasn't enough? It was one of those bumps in my career for sure, but I don't let situational things define me. Well, don't get me wrong. I licked my wounds with the Google thing, but then I was like, you know what? I'm still a man. I'm still doing my thing. Let me keep going. So to have the two paths cross years later and to be able to speak, to be invited as a guest to speak mm. as something as amazing and to be a part of the like inaugural event and mm. have a packed room, standing room only and people wanting to ask me questions afterwards and reaching out to me afterwards. And a couple of people reached out to me for like mentorship, man. It's just, it feels fantastic. It wasn't necessarily vindication because I didn't have any ill sure. will towards Google. It just yeah. was more of a a reminder, like, man, I'm doing my thing and I'm right. like, I'm reaping the benefits of what I've sold. I love that. I love that. So look, you're busy as ever. So we talked about the day-to-day. -day. I said day-to-day -day on purpose. Mm -hmm. Maybe these other things are. Obviously, you're, you're a father. But I'm on outside. top of that, on top of that, yeah, you're involved with a VC, you're doing angel investing, you're a board member. I wanted to get into this. And the reason being is I think not all these are necessarily design related, but what it is, it's like an expanse on the impact in terms of what people can do with their skill sets and expertise mm -hmm. as a designer. And maybe we can go through some of these and I'm not going to get through yep. all of them, but super curious, like, how do you, how did you get involved in working with a VC and, and what does that sort of partnership entail? Because I know you've had some background before. You've had some startups in the past mm -hmm. you've raised. Mm -hmm. So I'm super curious if like, how do you see yourself fitting into those types of discussions? For sure. So let me start by saying I'm one of those type of people who have the personality of you can't tell me I can't do something. Only I can mm -hmm. tell myself I can't do that. So yeah. whether it's going to getting a job at a elusive company like Netflix, 
whether it's studying at an amazing opportunity, like a school like Stanford or Oxford or whatever. I'm the one person, I'm the outlier always. And I think the VC space is very hard to get into. I looked at it as an exciting challenge. I also know that if you really want to figure out how to make generational wealth, it's going to come from some kind of investment or either starting a business or inheritance. There's only like a couple of ways that you can really build generational wealth. I like to do research. I like to learn. I like to grow. I taught myself the stock market. And then what happened was when I was in my two previous startups, I was playing such a product role that I didn't have any clue what was going on with the business. I didn't really help with the raising side. I just produced whatever materials we needed to try to raise. I just built the product. I was just Mr. Product Guy. I was, I don't want to go to the meetings. I just want to be in front of my computer and stuff. And like, I was young, so yeah. I get it. But I feel like that was one of the only things I regret from my career is yeah. not being more involved in that and understanding what was going on and having yeah. more say in how we spent the money and knowing what the money looked like and how much was the full investment for and what was the terms of the investment yeah. and what were we asking from the investors and what were the investors asking from us and on a return just did we think we could make and just all right. of the business side i just didn't have no clue on how that went and i think that came back to bite me yeah. so instead of me sitting back and complaining i said you know what i'm gonna eat i don't have the passion to necessarily be a founder as much right now because i think sure. being a founder is a very hard job it takes yeah. a lot of time and i said i'm married i have a kid i have a bunch of stuff going on so I can't really go the founder route, but I still like to be involved in the entrepreneurship space. I'm an entrepreneurship to the like day that I go yeah. on. My dad is an entrepreneur and stuff like that. I don't want to be a founder, but you know what I can be? I can still be involved in the community from advisement. So I started with advising and I had some friends who worked at a VC firm and they like gave me my first access to some of the meetings to just to listen. So I did a lot of research. I was meeting people going to uh, events just like I did with my design career to learn the VC stuff, taking courses, taking certifications and growing and going to events. And I finally got to an event where I met a friend who connected me to somebody that gave me the chance to be an LP in a fund. And that is like a massive, it's like a massive opportunity that honestly yeah. came from connections. It didn't come from anything other than that. So it's like being able to still be involved in this space, but from the founder side, from the investor yeah. side, and being right. able to use my experience to help companies and then wanting to help invest and make money down the road and stuff like that. So right. that's where the whole VC side came from. It's not being it's, involved as a business owner and wanting to be involved now. Right. And so at least as like a limited partner, your role is basically advising companies and then potentially investing in fundraising rounds, I'm assuming. No, actually LP is just you and a group of people and the general mm -hmm. partner are the ones that put up the money that make the fund or, and then the fund goes and finds the companies to invest in. You may end Got up it. being an advisor. It doesn't come through you being an LP. Like the LP is Got just it. you putting up money with a bunch of other people. And that's how yep. you get that fund. Like when somebody says, mm. I raised a $50 million fund. Right. They either have a bunch of small investors or a bunch of big investors. And the people who are those investors, that's the LP. So I'm lucky enough to be wow. LP in a fund that invests in companies like Canva and other uh, growth companies. Yeah.
Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And Bro, I mean, mind blowing, mind blowing. And I mean, on top of that too, like with the skill piece, like you've got a lot of experience working in growth. <laughs> so having that perspective also potentially help helps inform the types of companies that you, you all feel good about. So yeah, for sure. Um, it's really just to have that access, to that. Uh, bro. Just even to have that access to be able to come to the table with that much value to where the fund mm -hmm. would want to introduce you to these portfolio right. companies and you actually have something that they need. And when right. they learn who I am, I've advised so many startup mm -hmm. companies and I'm not even invested in, but then to tie it back to now because of the LP stuff and promoting my brand, I'm now getting a lot of startups reaching out to me that want me mm. to do angel investing. And I'm interested in angel investing. You don't have to put yeah. as much money and yeah. you can be involved with the growth of these companies. So there's a lot of entry points into the investing world that I want people to know. I don't want people to be afraid of the term VC. I want them yeah. to learn what a VC does. I want them to learn what an angel does. I want them to learn about mm. pre-seed and I want us to go get the knowledge and get the education that can help change our lives and our community's lives. I don't want us to be afraid or nervous. And I know it's not that easy to get that info. So that's why yep. you're making change by creating this platform that allows people like me to come on here to support your users. And this mm -hmm. is how we get shit done, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one of the striking things around angel investment that surprised me, I think early, especially when I got out here, I was thinking it was like, you got to put down 50, $10,000, um, which I think is a fairly common amount, but it doesn't need to be that much, especially if it's in these early seed stages. Depends. Like everything yeah. is, every company has their own. Now certain bigger funds are going to want certain amounts, but you know what? It's your homework to get out there and learn yeah. the difference and learn why somebody would take a $5,000 check or why somebody would mm -hmm. only want a $100,000 check. And yeah. that's why I said, I taught myself graphic mm -hmm. design and product design because I went to school for computer science. I taught myself the stock market. So that's how I was able to now have investments. And I taught myself mm -hmm. the VC lane because like I said, I'm a super supporter of education. That's why I loved working at Coursera and mm -hmm. I'm a lifelong learner. And as long as I'm pushing yeah. myself to keep learning, I just don't think I can lose, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. By the way, I had Christy Tillman, who's also at Netflix on. That's my season. dog. That's and my cousin. I, I feel like if people are listening to this episode, they should listen to Christy's right after. For sure. It's, it's literally like the designer handbook, like how He's to a mentor expand, of mine. right? Around impact is wider than the day to day. And at the end of the day, the legacy, what you talked about, is really what we want to what we want to aim for. And Changing so, lives, man. Uh, I want to change lives, and I've changed yeah. lives. I'm so proud of them, man. Random story: last night at the event that we had at Netflix, this young lady walked up to me, and I thought she was somebody else. And she was like, "Do you remember me? You were my mentor." <laughs> and I did a double take, and I was, yeah, I was so excited <laughs> to see her. Because I hadn't spoken to her in two years, but this was wow. like my mentee for a year. And we yeah. had a lot of growth together. I was so happy to see uh, her last night, man. And I just feel like where I am in my career right now, that is, that, that is just so validating to feel mm -hmm. like I've helped other people change their lives, man. That's, a lot mm -hmm. of people get to say stuff like that.
Yeah. Yeah. Look, we're getting to the the end of the, the, the show. Um, is there any advice that you'd want to leave to the listeners or at least a nugget? I know there's a ton of that in here, but is there anything top mm -hmm. of mind for you? Yeah. I say the same things over and over again. Have patience in yourself. Get out there, meet people, network, ask questions, get a mentor, ask fun. Treat yourself like a project. Don't be too hard on yourself. Nobody's perfect. Reach out to me if you have questions. Like, I'll get to you as soon as I can. Like, I try to be as supportive of the community as possible. And I think that's it, man. I give a lot of foundational yeah. things. I don't give, like, a lot of mm. specific because I think that kind of, like, it's not inclusive enough where the yeah. advice I give, I want it to be inclusive of no matter the situation you're in. That's what I'm right. saying. Work on your, oh, the last thing, work on your communication. You have mm. to work on your communication. It yeah. is critical for your success. Your soft skills as you get up in your career become just as important and even sometimes more important than more your important. hard skills. So yeah. make sure you are practicing your communication. Make sure you're learning how to be a good listener. Make sure you're learning how to write a memo. Like you have to evolve your design career where you can't only be in Figma. You can't not want to speak at that meeting. Speak up. People want to hear from you. They need you. You're important to the team. Design is, we have a seat at the table. So take the seat and build another table. Do your thing, have fun, shine, be great. And lean on the community and cats like me and you when you need support. I love that. I love that. And on top of that, you mentioned following up with you. So where can we find you on the internet? You can hit me up on my website, which is fonsmars.com. I'm writing a book, so you can pre-order that through there. Plug. LinkedIn is a good place because I like to check my LinkedIn because I get access to a lot of different people on LinkedIn. Like, I don't really do IG like that. Like I'm on Twitter. If you got some good stuff on Twitter, definitely hit me up. I love to read. So I would say those are the main ways. Or you can just email me at yeah. fonz.morris at hey.com. That's another way. Get at me. I'm here. Listen, Harrison, we outside. I ain't hard to find. You know what I mean? I don't got to give you 5,000 ways to get at me. No. I'm outside. If you want to find me, you'll find me. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you being on the show. You yeah, got to no, catch this that flight. So cool. oh, we got I do. this done. No. We, are you walking? Yeah, are you, I still got time. Are you the person that walks in before they call first class on the flight? <laughs> no, I'm you. I'm usually flying first class though, but I'm not that weirdo guy who needs to be the first one on the plane. I don't, it depends. I don't like getting to the airport really early. Uh, so sometimes I might be the guy that slide in right the last person on the plane, but yeah, I'm always yeah. doing my thing in the cut. But that's funny that you said that because every time I get on a plane, I'm looking at these people. Don't you know that these planes have definitive seating? You don't have to be the first <laughs> one on there. It's not like a bus. But I'm also, but I'm also impressed and that totally fits in the scenario. I'm impressed that you found a cubicle to record from. That means that you're in an airport enough to know, and it's not even your home airport. Because I was like, man, either I have to cancel with Harrison and wait till I get to the house or I just be strategic and I get to a location <laughs> where I can record this. So I made sure that I got to the Sky Lounge early. I staked yeah. out a pod. As soon as the lady walked out, I slid right in. Like I said, I'm serious, man. I take everything I'm involved in dead serious. I'm not it. too big to 
stalk out a cue because I'm about to be on the podcast. I want to do the best podcast I can be. Mm. I got to make sure I handle my biz. High standards. I appreciate that. Stand on business, Harrison. Got to stand on business, man. There there we go. All right, brother. (laughs) Thank you, man. This was fun. Yes, it was. And uh, I can't wait to listen to it and share it out to my peoples. Yeah, listen to it and then a year from now, play it and see how much has changed. About these kind of podcasts. It's when your audience reaches out to me and say, hey, I just listened to Harrison's Mm. podcast and you were on there. And I just thought that what you said about this was so cool and it was Mm. so that I get so many like nice thank you notes like that, man. So I really enjoy being on like this. So, man, last time, thank you so much, bro. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Like you said, I'm about to catch this flight. All right. Have a safe flight. Talk soon.